So this morning as we jump into Bible study, um, I've laid down three different studies in the last 24 hours for this morning. And uh, the, the one that uh, is set before us from time with the Lord this morning, I just want to be really open, transparent, open and real with you guys. Uh, we, I don't think we've done this in many, many years. I just want to do some church business this morning, look to God's word, and just really examine ourselves. We're exhorted to examine ourselves. Are you in the faith? And that's one thing to do individually, but as a church family, guys, we need to be standing in the truth. Um, there's a brother yesterday, I took in a session from him, um, and he, he laid out how it's easy to get a consensus. You know, it's easy to do that, but having a consensus doesn't make things right. There's only one, <laughs> there's only one truth, guys, and what, it's what God says. That's what's right. So this morning, we're going to dive in a little bit into uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, specifically verse 2, which says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. So this is really to encourage David in a lot of ways this morning, but this is the reality for us as a church. Do you guys understand that the church is to be about the word of God? That is our primary purpose as believers, as we gather together. So it really implies the knowing of God's word. And that's one thing I see today in the church. There's people that love God. They genuinely love the Lord. Okay, born again. They get the cross. But when it comes to the word of God, they're often ashamed. They don't understand. They're not able to give a defense of why they believe. So... We need to be in a place of knowing it. We've got to rightly divide the word. So important today, okay? I've been hanging with some people who are Christians, but they're living in the first five books of the Bible. <laughs> and, I, and I'm rubbing shoulders with them, hopefully to be a light, but there's also some things. I just want to learn more of the scriptures. And why do you guys hold to this? Why are you choosing to walk this way? Why are you choosing to ignore the whole of Scripture? What is your basis for only holding to the first five books? And it's been some good conversations. But their problem is they're not willing to rightly divide the word. We must do that because God has told us in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word. That's how we become a workman that's not ashamed. Okay, And I think there are a lot of believers that are ashamed because they're doing this and that, and the world's looking in and saying, why do you do that? Okay, That's dead. That ain't going to save me. Really? Doing those things? That's, I need to do that, and then I'm good enough? That's a false gospel, guys. We can't save ourselves. Anyways, also, we also need to come to the Word, making it understandable and applicable to the lives of people. So not to preach your own words. When? Well, I'm glad you asked. We need to be ready in season and out of season. Guys, that means whenever. We just need to be ready with the Word of God. Are we ready with the Word to share with others, to be prepared to take a stand, to carry on, to stick with it? That's a biggie. Okay. I think God has given us a firm foundation here at Freedom. Okay. We take the Word of God seriously. We ex you know, expound upon uh, the Scriptures verse by verse. Next week we'll be back in Matthew chapter 15, the next couple weeks. Okay. Setting David up to teach on the 24th. He's going to be looking at who Jesus is. Who do you say I am? Matthew 16. Um, but as we 
study the word and we take it seriously, are we going to stick with it? I grew up in the 90s and there was a huge shift in the church. I grew up in a Bible church and I ended up going to a church that would probably be labeled seeker-friendly. Do you guys know what that is? It's, it's doing church and what you're trying to do is you're trying to appeal to non-believers. So the church is non-believers gathering together. Well, when I read in scriptures, the church is the church. It is the body of Christ. We are to preach to believers. And I don't want to say it's wrong to have a heart to want to reach the lost. I understand why a lot of the churches, they know the Lord, they know Jesus is Savior, and they want to do whatever they can do, whatever they can come up with to make non-believers feel comfortable enough to come to church. Because if we teach the Bible... Verse by verse, things like sin, <laughs> repentance, holiness, those things are going to come up, and non-believers don't like hearing about those things, so we're not going to touch that. But what I've seen happen is a lot of churches that were taking a stand, we're going to stick with the Word of God, they started to shift towards this to reach people, but they've never come back. These churches just haven't come back to the Word. And that's something we need to stick with, guys. And I don't know how long the Lord's going to tarry. I know he's going to come soon, but we don't know how long that's going to be. Are we going to continue to rely upon the word of God? Are we going to stick with studying the scriptures? And then look, it says, be in season and out of season. So there's an urgency out there. We need to be ready when, guys? All the time, right? All the time. We don't know when it's going to happen. So uh, some of us, well, it's convenient now or it's inconvenient. Whatever the case is, it doesn't matter how you feel. <laughs> we just need to be ready. Okay. Yesterday I had two sessions to teach at the men's conference and I had 15 minutes in between the two. The first one I taught is on how we study the scriptures. Okay. And the next one I'm gearing up for is teaching men how to pray and Right in between the session, I have a guy that comes up. I'm new to the Bible. I'm reading Joshua. Why does God have his children, Israel, going and killing all these different people groups and their women and their children and their lives? I'm just like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Be ready in season and out of season. So instead of having a moment to prove my heart, you know, to preach on prayer, you know, last thing I wanted to do was address this question, this issue, but obviously this man is seeking or is new in the Lord, whatever the cases be, but I had to be ready. In answering that type of question, it's not just a flippant answer. I had to sit down, step back, let's look at context, let's look at the whole of Scripture, let's look at God's holiness, <laughs> the sinfulness of man, why he did what he did, why he told the children. We need to be ready with those things. And those are questions that people have, okay? And they're being taught those questions. It's not, a lot of times, them genuinely seeking and asking by studying the scriptures. It's what the world is throwing at, uh, at everybody. This is why you shouldn't believe in God. Why would he allow slavery? Why would a God of love do these type of things? And we need to be ready to give a defense, also, uh, we should always be on duty, take advantage of any opportunity and every opportunity that God gives us to share the word. Well, how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. 
We do it by reproving, rebuking, and exhorting, okay? And do these with the Word of God. It's going to be the inspired Word of God that we are able to do these things. It's not going to be sitting down and talking philosophy and reasoning, this is my thinking, what's your thought on this? No, we need to get into the Word of God, not your own. So what does reprove mean, okay? New King James puts it as convince, right? It means to correct error. There's a lot of wrong thinking out there. A lot of truths. Um, Elkabades, I think his name was, uh, he's a guy, he was a general, and he would meet with Socrates on a regular basis, and he, and he said, Socrates, I hate you because every time I get together with you, I see what manner of man I am. <laughs> and that's something I found the word of God to do. Didn't James tell us that the word's like a mirror? You know, we can think higher than we ought about ourselves. We can think we're right. But there's something when we humble ourselves, we open his word, and we really truly seek with our hearts that God's going to speak. And there's going to be that reality like, whoa, my thinking got wrong. <laughs> I'm messed up. <laughs> I'm not right because you're right, God. And then in that, we have that opportunity to be broken, to surrender, to turn and start thinking the way he's asked us to think. So our first order of business then must compel a man to see himself as he is. Okay. Yeah, God does love the world. That's the truth. But there's something he did because he loved the world. He laid down his own life. Why? Because we're a sinful people. And man needs to see that. There's no good news without the bad news. <laughs> and we see that throughout Scripture. We need a Savior. Then rebuke comes up, okay? Not to be people pleasers or a popularity seeker, nor a, flat, or a flatterer, okay? Not to speak so plainly about sin is like placing labels, you know, uh, essence of peppermint over a label of, po of a poison jar label. Or something. You guys get what I'm saying? We see a lot of that happening. We make it look good. And I think the milder the label that's out there, the more poisonous it is. And I see that happening today. Okay, Satan's really good at making things look good. Okay, hey, this is pleasing to the eyes. This is good for me. Ultimately, it's going to kill you. So a question, how many of our brothers and sisters could we have saved from sin or a shipwreck if we would have stood in the truth and spoken boldly in the way of a rebuke? Well, I'm just called to love everybody. No, we need to love in truth, guys. We need to speak the truth. And we do it in love, but we need to speak the truth. I see so many just doing their own things. We need to be real with one another. I appreciate it when I have people speak into my life, call me out. Why? Because I'm a truth seeker. I want to walk uprightly. I want to love God. I want to walk with him. Not because I'm great, but because he's great and he's worthy of it, guys. So, um, let's move on to exhort. What does exhort mean? Well, it means to give hope to the faint-hearted by giving tender encouragement. So no rebuke should ever be such that it drives a man into despair, but it takes the heart to a place of hope. Okay, That's what it should do. So we must rebuke, but they must also be encouraged. 
Spurgeon reminds us that Aaron's rod and the manna, okay, the pot of manna, were always together. They were found together in the Ark of the Covenant. And he who is God's servant will be both to their soul. So we're to do this with all long-suffering, okay, and teaching or doctrine. So all these must be carried out with great patience and careful instruction. So meaning with a spirit which never grows irritated, never despairs, never regards a man beyond salvation. See, we hold to an unconquerably changed or changing power of Christ. So no one is capable for this task. We need a life of a really profound dependence upon Jesus. That's the life we need to live, guys. That's how we ought to walk. We are always looking to him, dependent upon him. Now, I want to talk about doctrine for a second. Um, let's turn to chapter 3 here in 2 Timothy. David earlier brought up Acts 2.42, okay? The early church, they would gather together on a regular basis to do what? They'd give themselves to doctrine first. Doctrine. And out of that, fellowship would come. The breaking of bread, communion, and praying together. And for some reason, the church today, fellowship has become, hey, you want to go out for a coffee? <laughs> catch up? Catch a movie? Okay, no, we get together, we discuss doctrine, the word of God. We're encouraged in that. Um, 2 Timothy 3.16, I'm almost there. But it talks about all scripture. Well, what is doctrine? Okay, it's the word of God. It's teaching what is right. Look at verse 16 here in uh, 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is given by God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and instructions in righteousness. So if all scripture, what is that talking about? All scripture, that would be Genesis to Revelation, right guys? Yeah. So all of this is very important for you and I as God's kids. We need it all and it's all profitable that the man of God may be complete, ready for every good work. And that's one thing that I pray for our fellowship. I don't care how many people come to church. Okay? What I care about is the believers at Freedom Fellowship. Are we growing? Are we bearing fruit? Are we mature in Jesus Christ? That's what God cares about. Great, a thousand people come to church. But if they're not growing in Christ, if they're not trusting, what are we doing as a church? What's the point? There's a lot of other places they can go and hang out, <laughs> and be the same. We should be those who are growing, who are ready to respond, that are ready to give a defense, that know the word of God. And doctrine is very, very important to that. I don't know if you guys caught this, but if you look down just past, as we consider verse 4 uh, to this morning, about being in a place to, whoops, I'm going to way ahead of myself, <laughs> preaching the word, did you guys look what's right after that? 
Look at verse 3. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they're going to what? Keep up teachers for themselves. Do you guys think this is happening today? Everywhere. You know? Hey, I want to go hear this guy because he's going to tell me what I want to hear. You know? (laughs) Well, verse 4 says they're going to turn their ears from the truth as a result of this. Okay, and this is a bummer. And we're told this is going to happen in the last days, guys. We need to be aware of this. Um, and sometimes, why, why are we always in a place of calling out others or looking at false teachers? You know, I read through Galatians earlier this week, and that's how Galatians wraps up. Like, we need to be watchful. We need to be discerning of what's going on out there. I mean, we can name names, but that, who cares? The point is, truth is truth. We need to know the truth. Because if we're not walking in that truth, be able to discern the truth, we might get into that place where, hey, that sounds good. He's telling me what I want to hear. Okay, I haven't heard anyone else call that person a false teacher. There's so much junk out there, guys. You know, We just need to know the truth so we can know what's not right. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I want to get back to the point of doctrine a little bit. Um, I think it's in 1 Timothy. Let's turn to chapter 3 real quick. The church is to be about doctrine. We're to be given about doctrine. That needs to be the central part and point of the church. Okay, if you study the scriptures, you're going to see that in the book of Acts. You're going to see that taught throughout the, the epistles. Okay, that is to be the number one importance and the thing the church is to be given to. There's a lot of other things we get to do and we're blessed by. Um, but... The church is to be a pillar of truth. I think it's verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Jump down to verse 15. Um, Yeah. I write to you so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. truth. That is what the church, this, we're being exhorted. (laughs) God here, this is what you guys need to be about. Okay. This isn't a soapbox this morning. This is what God has asked us to give ourselves to corporately as a church body. We need to be those to be a pillar of truth in our society. And the world looks at the church and they laugh. I don't know if you guys catch what's going on today. Okay, It's not about morality. Of course, we're going to teach what God says right and wrong, what morals ought to be according to Him. But everything that's going on today in the world, it's anti-Christ. That's the bottom line. We can talk about what's right and wrong. Hey, we're calling evil good today. Those things are happening. You don't have to look far. Just turn on the news for five minutes. You're going to be like, oh boy, what the heck's going on? But if we really step back and look at the big picture, all that's going on, the laws that are being passed, okay, the, the way the media is spinning things and reporting the news, It's an anti-Jesus agenda. That's all it is. If you really look at what's going on. And we shouldn't be surprised by that, guys. We've been very graced and blessed for many years here in America. But things are shifting and they're shifting quickly. Very quickly. And it's getting to a point that us just gathering together and speaking about what we're speaking about this morning, that this is truth, the only truth, that's offensive to people. It's okay, you can talk about Jesus, how he loves, what he might say, but the second you say that he is the only way, we have a problem with you guys. 
And that is a claim that Christ has made. He is it. There aren't multiple ways. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. They have a problem with the only. They have a problem with us wanting to hold to the solas of the Reformation. That, hey, we believe this is the only truth. That we're only saved by the grace of God. And it's only through Christ. That's going to be it. That's what the world has a problem with, guys. And that's why it is anti-Jesus. And that's why we need to know the truth, to stand upon the truth, be bold with the truth. Now, a lot more I would love to say about that. Expository preaching, I think, is very important today. It's being lost in the church. I talked, I won't mention who it is, but yesterday I got to uh, talk with one of the leaders of the conference, um, and we talked about the importance of just studying the whole of Scripture. And he said, we're guilty as a church for not doing it. They see that. And I think a lot of churches see it. But are they going to repent and go back to say, yeah, <laughs> uh, we do believe that this has been inspired by God, that it is all God-breathed, that it's all profitable for us. Guys, because if we just pick and choose what we speak on, there's going to be a lot of things we choose not to speak on. And I truly believe that the Word of God is perfect. It is balanced. The Holy Spirit, as we've been studying through, you're going to hit on everything. Nothing's going to get missed because eventually it's going to be there and the Holy Spirit brings it forth, I believe, in a proportion that we need. So, give ourselves to Scripture is very important. What I'd like to do... I'm just messing this thing up this morning. Let's turn to Psalm 32. I'd like to conclude our time just by encouraging you guys to personal study of the Scriptures. All right, let's take a look here. This is God speaking, and he says, I will instruct you, and I will teach you. Isn't that pretty cool to think about? God himself. Well, how is he going to do that? Well, he's going to speak to us, right? Well, how is he going to do that? Through his word, <laughs> okay? So he's going to do this in a way that you should go, and he's going to guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse. Don't be like a mule, which have no understanding, which must be... Uh, harnessed with a bit and a bridle else they will not come near to you so one thing i love about studying the bible and why i think it's so important that we do this individually it really speaks to the way we should desire to live do you guys want to please god with your lives yeah that's why we've been created well how does that look our ideas of what that might be is radically different than maybe what God has asked of us and is proclaimed in his word. That's one thing that's neat about the scriptures. It shows us how we should desire to live. 
those principles, what those standards are. Not just to define what we believe, but what we actually do with that belief as a result. Okay, what does that result in? You see, instruction is experiencing God as we believe. Okay, we've got to mix the word of God as we study it with faith, as Hebrews tells us. Do we believe this? Are we just going to be hearers of it and not doers? James 1.22, I hope not. We need to be doers of it. So as we get into the scriptures and we study, it really helps us to believe. And as we're believing, what are we going to end up doing? Okay, well, we're going to end up reading, sharing it, and living it. How many of you guys want to do that? Good. If you don't, I hope you're encouraged this morning and challenged in a good way to maybe, that's what I probably should be doing. You see, the B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. You guys ever hear that one? Stand alone upon the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, the word of God. Christians, we're to be about the word. I think part of our DNA here at Freedom Fellowship has been the word. I pray that it always is. It always should be. Guys, remember when Peter said to Jesus, when Jesus asked the question, do you also want to go away? And you guys remember what Peter said? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Really, where can we go? There's that temptation to want to go somewhere else. Maybe I find fulfillment here. Maybe this guy has the right things, saying the right things, the right ideas. But I totally agree with Peter. Where, where can I go? You have the words of eternal life. I pray that you found those, that you can't go anywhere else but to him. So instruction, guys, what it isn't, it's not only acquiring information, but it's being instructed by his word in his ways. In Romans 15.4, you can jot that down. It says, for whatever was written before was written for what? Our instruction." Think about that. It's written for us, our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Is this world hopeless? Absolutely. Where are they going to find hope? In the B-I-B-L-E. Exactly. Okay? So really what it is, guys, is we get to experience God. That's the beauty of the scriptures. It's not just knowing the Bible. It's actually experiencing God. So if you're single, we have a few single people here. Maybe you're starting to get to that age like, oh, marriage sounds like a cool thing. I can't wait someday to fall in love, to be able to do life with that person I love, right? You look forward to it. It would be silly if you just talked about it, okay? Well, I don't really care about the experience of it. I just want to talk about it. Wouldn't that be goofy? No, you long for that because you want to experience it. You want to know it. And that's the same thing with our relationship with God. Okay? We can have all knowledge, right? We can know it all, have it all, do it all. But if we don't have love, it's nothing. We need to experience the Lord. And this really comes back to the reality of us feeding ourselves. In Jeremiah 15, 16, it says, Your words were found, and I ate them. Really? Eating the word of God? You know what our kids are learning this morning? Jesus proclaiming, I am the bread of life. What? Check it out. If you think it's weird, 
Read chapter 6 of John. It'll get a little weirder for you. But the whole point is, we need the Word of God. This is how we live. Jeremiah found it. He said, I ate them, and your word was to me a joy and rejoicing of my heart. What? His word. It's the word that brings that joy. Okay? You guys ever read what John said in Revelation 10.10? He said, I took the book and I actually ate it. And it was sweet to my mouth. This is so good. You got, do you guys experience the word of God in that way? Do you experience the Lord when you hear what he is saying to you? Oh man, this is good. But John has said something different took place when he partook of the word. It was sweet, but then it became bitter in his stomach. That often happens to me. Like a lot of times, I'm, I'm right there with Jeremiah, man. I take in your word, I'm eating it up. It is a joy. My heart is often downcast. My soul may be downcast, but your word, that is the thing that lifts me back up, that gives me hope. But sometimes the thing that John experienced happened, you take it in, this is so good, but it becomes bitter because I see how good you are even though I have fallen so short in all that you are and you've done. It's become a bitter thing because there are so many people that reject you, that want nothing to do with you even though you love us so much. Does the word ever become bitter in your stomach in that way? You see, that's why it's so important that we're taking this time personally to be with the Lord, to study His Word. So we need a self-feeding program. I'd like you guys to think for a moment, what are you doing personally when it comes to the study of God's Word? Well, I checked out the new website. There's <laughs> teachings on there. I just listen. I hope that's not it, guys. I hope you just don't wait till Sunday morning. Oh, that's my time for the Word of God. I hope you guys are partaking daily throughout the day, okay? And not just scrolling through your Facebook feed hoping, oh, oh, good, that brother shared a scripture. Hey, I was hoping to read one. It's sad but true. There are a lot of Christians. Or I'll check my email. Oh, I got devotions from John today and Pete and I don't know where you get your devotions from. But the point is we need a program and we need to be studying the Word of God, okay? Reading through the Word, okay? Um, I talked with a brother yesterday. He just finished studying through the book of Numbers for the first time. He's like, you know what? It was hard, but I learned a lot of cool stuff. You know, there's a lot there. I'm like, good for you, bro, you know? Deuteronomy's just as good. <laughs> Dig in. Enjoy. And there is a lot of good stuff in there. Um, so we don't, we, don't, <laughs> we don't want to be found being codependent. I want to encourage you. If you're a husband, you're to bathe your wives in the word. You're called to do that. How that look might look different for each couple, but that's something you need to be doing. Okay? Some of you gals have come up to me and asked, hey, Pastor, what do you think about this? And you might have heard me say, go ask your husband. <laughs> we need to be in a place where we're seeking the Lord, but we need to be doing it individually. And it's good to question. It's good to have those questions. But I encourage you guys to pray the word in as you're going through. Ask the Lord if you're not getting something. What are you saying here? What is the context around this? 
but you need to be in that place. I really feel like Sunday morning should be dessert for us. Okay, there's so many times as I'm meeting with the Lord and He's speaking to me, you know, I listen to a sermon, a study, and it's just like, you know, the sugar on the top. It's just like dessert time. It's like, whoa, this is great. This is good, okay? Would you guys imagine me being gaunt, shriveling away? You guys might be like, that'd be hard to imagine, Pastor. But say I'm just nothing but bones. My, my skeleton's starting to show. And uh, I say to, say to uh, my wife, you know, hey, I'm not getting fed around here, woman. What do you think she would say to me? <laughs> Go feed yourself, right? That's the thing. And there's a lot of people today who are saying, hey, I'm just not getting fed. Have you heard anybody say that? I'm just not getting fed. I don't think the problem is the preaching. You know, if you're relying upon a pastor for you to get your meal, something's wrong. Okay, we need to be feeding ourselves. Yeah, I'm going to prepare. I know David's going to prepare. <laughs> We're going to want to give you a good meal. We want it to be something special where you're going to be able to take it in, to enjoy it, to grow by it. But let me tell you what, that's once a week for an hour. Okay, we need it every single day. So, don't find yourself being in that place where you need to be spoon-fed, okay? Take it in for yourself. And if you have an issue of, I'm just not getting fed, you either need to find a church that's preaching the Word, that's going to encourage you to study yourself, <laughs> um, or you need to check your heart. Um, knowledge is never an end in itself, okay? We can know a lot about Scripture. You guys ever have a struggle within that, hey, I know this is right, but doing it, God, I just can't figure it out. I want to do it, but I can't do it. I think a lot of Christians, they know the Scriptures, they can study the Scriptures, but to do it, it's a whole different thing. But that's what God wants. It's not just to have the knowledge, but to actually live it out. And that's where wisdom comes in. What do we do with what we know? Okay, so we need to be in that place of allowing the Word to speak to us in that way. So our focus when we come to the Bible is not about facts, but it's about faith. It's about believing the Word of God, that it is His Word, and thus it is truth. All right, let's move on. Uh, look here, John 21, 25. Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That's pretty cool to think about. Jesus did a lot of things in a short time. He lived 33 years. Okay? The gospel writer here, John, said, hey, I wrote these things, but the reason I wrote them is that you might believe in the Son of God and have eternal life. And he's like, if we did write everything that Jesus did, I suppose the world itself couldn't contain it all. Now, I don't know if you're guilty like me, but there's a lot of times I want to know those other stories. <laughs> I want to know more about what you did, Jesus, and what you said. I'm curious in that way, and it's almost to a fault sometimes, and it can get me sidetracked. We all know Deuteronomy 29, 29, that the secret things of the Lord, and they belong to the Lord our God, but those which are revealed belong to us and to our children. So there are going to be things that God does reveal to us, and we should be thankful for that. 
okay? But there are going to be things that we're never going to know. There are going to be secret things, and we got to be okay with that. But what if he said, or what he did say, uh, is not enough? There's got to be more. So let's study this book instead of the Bible. Let's get together and dive in and see what this guy has to say. Or what if he never said anything new or different? What if heaven, in heaven we get there, and Jesus just says the same stuff he already told us in the Word? Would you be okay with that? Is that enough for you? Could he have said anything better? Wouldn't he have then, if he could have? Is there a stronger promise that could have been given to you and I? Is there a more endearing term for himself that he could have shared with us? Does it get any better than our Father? Or the Lord is my shepherd? Or for God so loved? Or in your presence is fullness of joy? Abba? We get to call him Daddy? Does it get better than that, guys? But do you get what he's declared to us? Do we stand in those things? Do we grab a hold of those promises? You see, we get to experience God as we study his word. We get to read, we get to believe. I'd encourage those who are new to the scriptures, okay? The Bible's not just some obscure religious writings, okay? We need to think about the word of God. Man, this is food to eat. This is air to breathe. This is water to drink. You guys holding your hands a direct revelation from God Almighty. That's pretty cool. That is phenomenal, and we shouldn't take it for granted. Is it enough? Yes, it's absolutely enough. And my heart breaks when we feel like we need more. We need more. This isn't enough. If we think that, we've missed it. We have not tasted and seen how good God is. We are not experiencing the God of the Word. So, His Word is perfect. Okay? We read in Psalm 138, verse 2. It says, For you have magnified your word above your name. Do you guys know that the name of Christ has been exalted? Okay? Highly honored. No other name <laughs> under heaven by which man must be saved. Okay? But even above his own name, he's have magnified his word. So is God telling you and I that his word is pretty serious? Absolutely. Remember Jesus in Matthew 24, I think it's verse 35. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall never pass away. Think about that, guys. It's all going to be done away with. <laughs> but his word is going to remain. Turn to Psalm 19 with me. I love this psalm. We're going to just look at a few verses, 7 through 11. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because my brother-in-law really likes that. Actually, I just thought the New Living put it a little bit better. <laughs> but that's something, guys, as you study the Word, I encourage you guys to have multiple different translations out there. There's just things that are put, because we lose so much in the English language from the original Greek 
There's so much we miss. But there's times where these different translations will hit on something and pull something out um, that just really hits home and makes more sense. I want to look at verses 7 and on. It says, The instructions of the Lord, they're perfect, reviving the soul. So the word of God is perfect. It revives our soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping down from the comb. And they are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. What? Is God pulling our leg here? <laughs> nuh This is how good the word is, guys. Okay, do we believe it? Are we going to own it? Are we going to partake of it? And then on top of it, if you're born again in the Spirit of God, hasn't he given us a perfect guide to go through it? Yeah! You know, I love it. If you're born again in the Spirit of God, you begin to read the Scriptures like, whoa! <laughs> Things are actually popping off the page here. His word is alive. It is powerful. Man, it is working in me effectively. What is going on? Well, it's his Holy Spirit. Isn't the word of God, God breathed of his spirit, his spirit and his truth? In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said he's going to pray to the Father that he would give another helper and that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. And when the Spirit of truth, or when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. And then in chapter 17, he says, sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. We need the word. So again, for my new brothers and sisters in Christ, you hold in your hand, or maybe on your phone, the perfect word of God and the Holy Spirit is going to be a teacher for you. He's going to help you to understand. In those seasoned in the Bible, let it be a coach to you. Let the Word of God be a coach. Yep. You guys know that the top athletes in the world still have coaches? But I'm the best of the best. Maybe even the best that ever lived. Can you really help me be better? Yeah, the best know that they need help. They know they need a coach. And that's why they're the best. They cannot become and remain the best at what they do until they understand and apply the crucial essentials of being coached. So do you ever hear yourself saying things like, hey, I'm just not getting fed? I'd have to ask, are you still coachable? Look at the multitude of coaches and prophets and mentors that we have in the scriptures. Turn to Hebrews 11 with me. Hall of Faith. This is your homework for the week. We're just going to kick it off with number one. But there's a whole bunch of peeps that speak to us still today. Some have referred to Hebrews 11 as the Hall of Faith. These are great men and women of the faith. It's fun to read through and see what the author of Hebrews has to say about them and then actually going back and reading their accounts. 
But I want to pick it up in verse 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And then it goes on to say that through faith, he being dead, what does he do? Still speaks. What? Have you guys ever caught that? Even though Abel's long gone, he still speaks. Abel still speaks. I think that's pretty cool. So this man sells something to say to you and me. Think about that. You want a coach? You want a mentor? <laughs> I think it's great to go to the scriptures and to learn from these men and women of faith who've gone before us. Some of us, well, I want to be a disciple. I want a buddy-buddy right now, somebody I can hang with, talk with, do life. Nothing wrong with that. Discipleship is huge. But I think a lot of us have missed some great heroes of the faith. Their example, how they lived, how they laid down their lives for the sake of Christ Jesus. What examples, what things we can learn of them and from them. And I encourage you guys, allow them to speak to you. Abel takes a place here as an aside and a mentor. We have great examples in Scripture. How many of you guys have learned things from Noah? I sure have. I love studying his life. Abraham, man, friend of God, man of faith, still screwed up. And he had some kids, great-grandkids. Jacob, that conniver. But let me tell you what, Jacob did some pretty cool things. It's the only man I know that could say he wrestled with God. But as a result of wrestling with God, what can that teach us? There's Joseph, Elijah, Nahum, John, Peter. Great pastor, those are all dudes. What about the girls? Okay. How about Sarah? She's the only woman referred to as a godly woman in Scripture. Have you studied her life? Dudes, what about studying Deborah? Yeah, you guys, your sisters have Deborah, but she's pretty kicked butt. I get a lot from that girl, that sister, just, you know, being rad. <laughs> There's Ruth, Naomi, Mary, Martha. There's even a Dorcas. <laughs> Check her out. Priscilla, some neat sisters in the Lord. And there's many others, but these men and women, they no longer maintain an earthly address, but <laughs> they wait to speak to us. Are we going to let them? But that's Old Testament, Pastor. Yeah, the Old Testament's the coolest. Okay? Without it, the New Testament's nothing. What's the point of the New Testament? The Bible is the history of mankind from the beginning to the end. And as we see man, and we rightly divide the word, we see that they can't do it. Over and over again, they fail, no matter how hard they tried, no matter what laws they were given, no matter what they did, no matter what promises they hung to, they all failed. And that's what makes the New Testament so beautiful, that God steps in and he did what we couldn't do ourselves. I wonder sometimes if the prophets are up there as we're studying the scriptures. How many of you guys enjoy Isaiah? I enjoy Isaiah a lot. You know, sometimes I feel like he's yelling at me, slow down! You're going too fast! You're going to miss it! You know? And there are things, guys, that we just need to be in a place where we're willing to listen to these mentors, to be encouraged by them, to be corrected by them, allowing them just to really be a good coach. All right? Here we go. And I can honestly tell you guys, some of the best discipling I've had personally in my walk with Christ have been from saints of old. 
that I've never met, but I feel like I know them. You know, reading some of the dead authors, I've learned a lot from those guys. I encourage you, read, learn from them. Oh, we need to wrap up. There's so much more I'd love to say about the Word of God. Let's skip a few pages. Since the Word's so good, we need to share it. Would you guys agree? Amen, right? Um, Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Some of you guys know Pastor Seth. He was out at our men's retreat this last year. Uh, Deanna's brother. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but he actually gives fishing tours. Okay, he's learned how to catch fish well. He's up in the UP. He's got rivers and fish everywhere. But he's actually making his own tackle. You know, there's specific feathers that he needs because this type of feather will work and this type of feather won't. Okay, the way I tie them has to be done a certain way. Because if it's tied this way, the way others would do it, fish just don't want to bite at that. They don't want to take it. And I read that scripture about Jesus saying, I will make you fishers of men. Okay, I don't know how to fish. That's okay. What did Jesus say? I will make you. He's going to teach us, but are we teachable? Are we going to be in a place of just yielding and saying, okay, you know I'm not good at this, <laughs> but you said you're going to make it. And a lot of us want to you know, have Jesus say something else there. Hey, if I follow you, you're going to make me holy, richer, superman, husband, superwoman, wife, great kid. But what does he say he's going to make us? Fishers of men. That's what he's calling us to, guys. And when we partake in the word of God, that's what's going to happen. The word's in our heart. It's going to come out of our mouths. We're going to be sharing with others. And we need to share. It's not an option. So to follow really is to fish. Another point I'd like to make is we need to just live the word of God. So... Maybe you've gone through the Bible before and you say you've received no inspiration from it. We'll try next time letting the Word of God actually go through you. Let it go through you. Then see the difference. And we ought to be Christians who live in large type. Don't hide it, guys. There's so many people I bump into. You know, I've known them for a while, had no idea that they were a Christian. Nothing clued me in into their life. Friends with them on Facebook, seen their posts, you know, maybe stand-up people, good people, okay stuff. I had no idea that you love Jesus. I have no idea you put your faith in him. Guys, we don't need bumper stickers. I like bumper stickers, but we don't need them. We should be so in love with Jesus that it's just flowing out of us on a regular basis. But unless we're allowing him to get into us, okay, it's not going to be coming out of us. So I encourage you guys, uh, be an open letter for Jesus. Just be real. Be who you are. Okay? If you feel like you have to hide something, be courageous. Okay? One thing I do pray for the church is that we would find conviction. That there would be a true conviction. And in that conviction, we would find courage and in that courage that we would just live the truth, speak the truth in love. 
But until we're convicted, we're not going to have anything to be courageous about. So every Christian, guys, we're an advertisement for Jesus. Let's make his word attractive. Sometimes we judge a store by the quality of its goods, right? We judge craftsmen by what type of work they produce. And we're going to judge a church by what kind of Christians they have. So when people find out that you're part of Freedom Fellowship, what is that going to speak to them? When they hear that you are a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ, that your hope is in the gospel. So let's experience, enjoy Jesus together, his word. Let's believe it. Let's read it. Let's study it. Let's live it together. One thing I do love about our big sign outside is the reality is we're a fellowship. Guys, there's one church. (laughs) There's only one church. We're not any better than any other church. There's one church. But we are a fellowship of believers. And I want us to shine well for Jesus. I want his name to be glorified among us. Not just here, but as we go our ways. One thing I do love about church, I feel like it's a retreat. You guys ever feel that way? Here's a retreat from the craziness of the week, of the world. I get to get together with brothers and sisters that love Jesus. We think alike. (laughs) We love Jesus. We worship him together. That's a special thing, guys. And I do believe that Freedom Fellowship is a gift. And I want to just encourage you guys, partake of the gift. Okay? Each and every one of us have a part here. I was going to talk this morning, my original study was how the church was to work with their pastors. But guys, when we just look to the word, we're looking to God, we're hearing what he says, as we do his word, we're going to experience him. And when we're doing that, I think things just work out. It just works out. So I hope you're encouraged. I know this morning's a total different study than what we're used to. But I encourage you guys, dig in. <laughs> Go deep. And for you guys like, well, I have studied. I've done it. If you have that type of heart or mentality, you're missing it. Okay? I've taught almost 3,000 Bible studies in my life. And I feel like I'm still just scratching the surface of what's actually here, guys. It is so good. His word is so good.